Good morning, church. Uh, this morning, well, morning we're reading from Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 36 through to 47. Okay. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to their fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe that the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thanks, mate. Uh, thanks for reading that. And if you've got a Bible there in front of you, please keep it open at that point. Who's, uh, who's ready to think about generosity? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, <laughs> I, 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 think, I don't think I've like, wrestled with uh, talk so much as I have with this one. Never ever you know, um, had a, a sermon or a talk about generosity. And I think I find it just really, really, really hard. I think the reason I find talking about generosity really, really hard is because I often have bought the lie that everything I have is mine and I want to hold on to it. But yet God's Word, uh, the Bible, teaches us, teaches us otherwise. So um, that's what we're looking ahead to. If you find it helpful, there's an outline on the back of the bulletin. Uh, there is a couple of changes if you find this helpful. Uh, just the intro, just change that to the world's most richest people. The world's most richest people. And just the outro, givers or hoarders. <laughs> givers or hoarders in the outro. Sorry about those changes. Let's, uh, let's come to God and ask him to soften our minds and our hearts and our whole life to his word as we consider what it means to be generous. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you uh, that uh, it's living and it's active and it speaks to us in every situation. Father, thank you uh, that it really, really cuts us deep to the heart when it comes to being people who give, people who are generous. Father, we pray that you would be softening us uh, now as we uh, consider what it means. We pray that we'd be open to hearing you speak to us from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just have some uh, diagnostic questions to begin with this morning. And if you've got the answer for this, maybe just lock it away in the back of your mind. 
Do you consider yourself to be a rich person? Are you someone uh, who would say that you're well off? It's a pretty confronting question to begin with this morning, but very important question too. And my guess is that you, you may have answered no to those questions, and perhaps you answered yes. Uh, you may have answered no because no one really likes to admit that they're rich or, or well off, do we? And the reason that is we often look at others and think, boy, if only I had what they had. If I had what that person had, well, then I'd be much better off. Just to put things into perspective for you, here's some more questions uh, to prove really that all of us in this room are very, very, very rich people. So here's some questions for you. Do you have food in your fridge? Do you have clothes in your cupboard? Do you have a roof over your head and a place to sleep? If you answered yes to all those questions, you're richer than 75% of the world. Do you have money in your bank account? You might say yes, but not enough. Do you have money in your purse or in your wallet? Or could you find some spare change in a container at home, maybe on the kitchen windowsill or uh, down the back of the couch? If you answered yes to those questions, you're in the top 8% of being the world's wealthy. I wonder if you're starting to feel the perspective. Did you wake up this morning with more health than illness? Well, you're actually better off than a million who won't survive at the end of the week. Have you ever experienced the danger of battle, uh, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation? If you answered no, well, you're doing better than more than 500 million people in the world. We are able to read one of the sentences in the Bible reading this morning, in, in the uh, Bible just sitting on your laps, perhaps. We are already more advantaged than two million people who can't read a single word from the pages that we have in front of us. We're rich people, aren't we? We're very, very rich people. We have food in our fridge. We have a roof over our head. We have a bed to sleep in. We have money to access, whether that's being paid through a wage or being paid from the government. We're rich people. Now, I don't mention all those things to say that you can feel bad or, or feel guilty uh, for being in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. But the reason I do mention them is that so that, so that we, so that uh, you and I, uh, as I wrestled with these questions during the week, they're from a book called uh, Detox Consumer. Uh, as we wrestle with these questions, if we know that everything, everything that we have is a gift from God, as the Bible tells us, our money, our gifts, our talents, our time, well, the reason I ask those questions is, well, what will it mean for us to have loving generosity with all of those things? And so that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning, what it means for each of us to have a loving generosity towards others. And like I said at the beginning, I think this is a really, really tough topic to get into. Uh, to, you know, we kind of, when this kind of topic is brought up in churches, you kind of might cringe or sit back in the chair uh, because you know, it, it's hard to talk about. And you know, for good reason, life is just so expensive at times, isn't it? There's rise of inflation, there's costs and tax for this and that. It's all just a bit of a pinch. Uh, Jasmine and I... Uh, my wife, uh, are we constantly wrestling with the budget? It seems like this daily battle that we're going through. Um, we don't spend as much time as we should thinking about the time that we have and, and how we should spend it uh, for others and how we can be spending it for helping others. But really, it's just so important for each of us to consider what it means to have loving generosity. Uh, because the word in the Bible, the word give, appears 921 times in the Bible. And so if being generous 
is about giving, being sacrificial with money, uh, with the gifts or talents, or with the time that we have, 921 times, and about 15% of God's word, we're reminded to be generous. And so because generous uh, is about giving, and because it gets so much airtime in the Bible, then surely we, we do need to take the, the time to consider and to talk about how we can be generous in our response to God and his word, the Bible. So to help us consider what it means to be generous, we're going to dip into this part of the book of Acts in front of us. And this section that, uh, that Dean just read for us, it's, it's quite a significant one in Bible history. Uh, you see, where we've landed here, Acts 2, is, is the time of what's called Pentecost, the time where the Holy Spirit is poured out. And at that time that Pentecost took place, some people were just amazed because of the Holy Spirit uh, who uh, had poured, been poured out on people. There were people from every nation that were speaking in other languages. And so people were amazed at this. They thought it was incredible. But then some other people kind of made fun of what was going on. They were just saying, oh, they're just... You know, they've had a big night out in the Turps. So we just don't worry about them. That's probably what's going on. And so at this point, with all this in mind, Peter gets up to speak and he clears the air and he talks to them. And the effect of Peter's message, really, it's a good one. Uh, because it says down there at uh, verse 41, let me turn this thing on, uh, at 41, there were those who accepted his message. They were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They, accept, they accepted what he said. And as a result, at, verse, at the end of verse uh, 45, the end of verse 45, well, they gave. They gave to anyone who had need. You see, they accepted and they gave. But really the question needs to be asked, well, what was it that Peter told the crowd? What was his message that they actually accepted? What did Peter tell the crowd that they received and then turned towards being generous people? The crux of the message that Peter says is uh, there in verse 22. So if you've got your Bible there, or you can look on the screen. Uh, verse 22. I just need to grab one, actually, because this is uh, not covered. Sorry. Back in verse 22. This is the whole crux of Peter's message. He says there, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, actually put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So what was Peter's message about? Uh, what did the crowd turn to accept uh, to then go on to be generous people? The answer? The answer is that his message is all about Jesus. Is that Jesus is God's enormous gift to everyone. It's the message that Jesus was given up to die on the cross for our rejection of God's rule. Uh, the message that Jesus was raised to life for us so that we'd have a relationship with God that lasts an eternity. That Jesus is the one who pours out the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives the Holy Spirit to those who believe in him. And the Holy Spirit works by pointing believers to Jesus. You see, Peter's message there in Acts 2, really, simply, 
It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus, of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And the message that Jesus is Lord, that he's God, that Jesus is the saviour of the world who was put up on a cross for you and for me, well, the response of the people in Acts 2, it's just, it's really incredible, I find it. It's just, it's mind-blowing, their response. Uh, they hear that they're responsible for having Jesus nailed to the cross. And their response is, I, I really love it. It's, it's verse 37. They ask, well, what do we do now? What do we do now, they ask. You've told us this message about Jesus, that he's died on the cross, that he's risen to life, and he pours out the Holy Spirit. What do we do to, what are we to, do with that? And Peter says, Verse 38, uh, repent. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says repent. And you see, that's what happens with this crowd, with these people at this time. They turn to follow Jesus. They accept the message about Jesus, who he is. They receive the Holy Spirit and then they're empowered to then live generously. Uh, to live in loving generosity. So do you see who's behind uh, their generosity here in Acts 2? Who's behind their giving? Who's the, the help for having loving generosity? Who motivates us to give? Well, it's Jesus. They accept the message of Jesus and they're spurred into action. And so really, if we get to the point of thinking, why do I have to give? Come on. I mean, really, why should I be generous with what I have? Surely it's mine. Well, the reason is because that we've been given so much in Jesus. He gives us forgiveness of sin through his death on the cross, forgiveness for not living God's way. And he gives us relationship with God that lasts into an eternity. He gives us the Holy Spirit who points us to Jesus and helps us to live for him. Jesus gives everything, everything of himself for you and for me. During the week, I looked up to see who the most generous people in the world are. Uh, that is the greatest philanthropists, you know, those who give their money, their time, even their reputation to charitable causes. Uh, they're all the usual suspects on the list, if you uh, want to look it up. You know, CEOs of big companies, there's a member of the Saudi um, royal family, there were celebrities like uh, Richard Branson and Bono. But of course, coming in at the top of the list is, that's right, Bill Gates the founder of Microsoft. His giving to charities, it comes to about $29 billion total. Some figure, hey? It's, it's this massive amount of money that Bill Gates has given away so far. Um, maybe it's kind of relative for Bill, you know, he's you know, net worth of $85.6 billion, which makes him the richest man in the world. Uh, but this is an interesting stat for you. Do you know every second of Bill Gates' time is worth $115? Every second of his time. He actually loses money if he stops to pick up a $100 note off the floor because it probably takes him three seconds. Um, it's interesting, though, I think, to hear the reason why Bill Gates gives away so much money. What drives him to be, uh, to be generous with that money? What inspires him to, do uh, to donate billions to, to get rid of deadly diseases? Uh, what motivates him to double his investment in renewable technologies? The motivating factor, Gates says, is that he has no use for money beyond a certain point. It's probably something you could say when you have $85.6 billion. Now, it's fantastic, though, really, isn't it, that the richest man in the world is so very, very generous. And it's not just with uh, the money, but he also gives a lot of time to charities as well. 
But it's an interesting motivation, isn't it? It's an interesting reason why the most generous person in the world gives what he does. He has no use for money beyond a certain point, so I'm just going to give that away. I do wonder if that's become true for, for you and for me when we think about our giving and being generous. Now, whether it's uh, time or talents, you know, uh, or gifts or, or the money that we have, maybe your approach to being generous becomes something like this. It's something like, well, I need this amount of money for this, 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 and this. Well, whatever's left over and, and after, you know, there's possibly nothing else I'm going to use that for, or then maybe I'll give that away. Maybe with your time it's, well, you know, I've got nothing really to do with this time. Perhaps I should see if there's anything that needs doing at church or if anyone needs help. Maybe it's thinking, well, I, could po- I couldn't possibly serve how they're asking me at, at church. I could only do between these hours and these hours for just a small part during the week. You know, I kind of have no other use for them, so that's when I'll be generous with that. But really, it's none of those things that should motivate us to be generous, isn't it? It, it shouldn't be a case of, well, you know what? I need this amount and this amount and this amount and this amount, and maybe I'll probably need this, but after that, well, I'll give. You see, what should be motivating us in giving generously is Jesus, of what he's given up for us so that we could have relationship with God. But yet, I, I think that the reason, perhaps the reason that we don't give is because we're so attached to what we have. Here's an exercise I'm going to quickly do. Okay? This is something that I've sat in at church that someone uh, did for me. I want you to take out your wallet. Uh, if you don't have your wallet, take out your phone. Okay, this is an exercise. Come on, come on, quickly, come on. Find your wallet. You might be like, well, I didn't bring my wallet, I left it at home. <laughs> my wife has it, the kids have it, something like that. Take out your wallet. If you don't have your wallet, take out your phone. Okay, feel your wallet. Okay. This is just an exercise. Feel it. Okay. All right. We're pretty attached to it. Now, give it to someone that you don't know. Feel it at that point. How did, how did you feel at that point? You know, you kind of felt the wallet, yes, I can feel that. I can feel the, the security, perhaps, uh, the safety of, of my wallet. And then when you hand it over, it's like, well, hang on, I'm, just, I'm a little bit too attached. Like, quite literally, we're joined at the hip to what we have, to our wallet, to our money. And so we think, well, I, I can't give it away. I can't be generous because I'm too attached to it. But yet, what should be our driving force to giving generously? What should motivate us is that Jesus gave everything of himself. That's being reminded of who he is, of what he's given up for us so that we can have a relationship for God. And so if that's the message, if that's what the crowd in Acts accepted, that's the good news of Jesus, what we find next is the transformation, this big transformation of the crowd uh, that they gave. And uh, Peter talks to that in Acts 2 and those famous verses there in verse 42. What a transformation it really is. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. You see, this is an amazing, amazing transformation. This is gospel generosity in action. 
And it's interesting that from these verses, some kind of find you know, the beginnings of socialism or communism at this point. Um, you know, there is obviously a wonderful transformed community of people in this part of the Bible, but it really isn't the socialist type or the communism view because uh, where everything in that view, the socialist or communist idea, is that whatever anyone owns is governed by everyone else. And so it's the idea of, well, let's just pull our resources together. We'll say that you get this amount, you get this amount, you get this amount, you get this amount. We're all happy. This isn't actually what's going on here. No, no, this is gospel generosity in action. Uh, knowing that everything, everything that they have, whether money or, or time or their gifts or talents, everything has been given to them by God. It's knowing that everything that Jesus has given of himself and then thinking, well, this person is in need. How do I be generous? You see, gospel generos- just, uh, generosity, it's having a heart like Jesus who gave up so much for us, who gave up his life so that we could have a relationship with God. You see, it's being a giver like Jesus and not a hoarder. And I wonder if you noticed that the, the feeling, the, the vibe of that community in that uh, Bible passage there, in Acts 2. And I'm not saying this is the reason that we should be generous, but I think it makes life just a little bit less complicated. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Now, that's the vibe, that's the, the community vibe going on. Glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favour of all people. This is countercultural to what's going on in our society and in our world. This is a, a transformation like none other where people have seen who Jesus is, they've heard about him, who, who've heard what he's done, they think, well, this is what it's going to look like in action. Uh, I know some people who work in a, an inner church in uh, Sydney, uh, inner city church in Sydney, and uh, they just moved into their apartment block and they wanted to get to know the neighbours at Christmas time, so they thought, well, what better way? We'll put on some Christmas drinks and have some nibblies and invite people in this apartment block over. Uh, they went around and door-knocked all the, uh, the apartments. One person answered the door. They chatted. Um, they asked if they would be interested in coming along to have Christmas drinks and, you know, and nibblies. Uh, then they decided, well, we only got one person. How about we send out invitations to everyone in the apartment block? It's time to have their the Christmas drinks, you know, just to, to get to know other people. And no one turned up. Uh, you, you might say, well, that's just Sydney for you, isn't it? You know, the city slickers, they don't know how to talk to people. I think it's, it's a, a pattern of really what's going on in our culture. That we, we want to have our own time, that we want to keep our time to ourselves, that we don't want to even consider anyone else outside of us. But yet what we get from that passage is that the church community is so much different than that. It's so much different to the world when the world says, gather, 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 all this stuff. Well, here in God's word, it's give, give, give. It's having a glad and sincere heart, praising God, enjoying the favour of all the people because we know the one who's given so much for us. You see, it's being a giver rather than a hoarder. So you are a giver or are you a hoarder? Are you generous with your time. You know, you might say, well, how can I be generous with my time? I've got none of it. And that's, that's probably true. You, know, there's, you could have work commitments. Uh, maybe you're part of a club. Uh, you might have a, a family to care for. Really, even in all those things, in all the time that's 
involved with all those things, you can still be generous. You see, if being generous centers around Jesus uh, and being like him who, who gave himself up for us, well, what is it going to look like to be generous in the time of all those things? Well, it might mean helping out in the club that you're involved in. It might mean you know, listening well to a workmate who's in, who's in need. And it might involve having a family time centred around God's word and encouraging each other to live for Jesus. That might just be the start. What about talents or gifts uh, you know, that God has given you? When it comes to uh, the talents or gifts that you have, are you generous with those? And often when it comes to thinking, well, what, you know, how am I gifted as a person and how can I use my gifts, I think people often ask the wrong question. It's a question usually of, what is my gift? What is my talent? Perhaps the better question is, well, where is there a need? Exactly like the passage that we've had. They gave to everyone as they had need. Are you a giver or are you a hoarder when it comes to your gifts and talents? And, of course, <clears throat> money. Are you a giver? Are you a hoarder when it comes to money? One of the taboo topics, isn't it? You know, the, the taboo topics that we're not supposed to talk about, money, religion, politics, um, perhaps sex. I, I really, really, it makes me cringe talking about money. Uh, but here's a question. How much do you earn? How much do you give away? How much do you earn? How much do you give away? Uh, and again, Jazz, uh, Jasmine and myself are reminded just of people's generosity to us because we're actually dependent on the financial support of others. And I'm sure as our, our Les and as our Paul here in church, we're dependent on financial support. Uh, and we're extremely thankful for people's generosity in freeing us up to be able to go into the uni and share the good news of Jesus with students there. Are you a giver? Are you a hoarder when it comes to money? Um, obviously consider what it means for you <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> to be generous. To be generous with the money that you have. <clears throat> What's it going to look like to, to give away, to be a giver for you? Obviously money is one of those things that we do need to talk about as well because uh, as I've heard in the, a statistic, money is talked about by Jesus more times than heaven and hell combined. Money. Consider what it will look like for you to be generous with your money here at church to SRE. Uh, if you're in the position to do so, uh, please consider what it would mean for you to be generous in giving towards uh, other ministries. Of course there are other ministries than uh, the uni, uni ministry. Uh, consider how you can be generous with your time. Um, pray. Pray that through people that are set apart that the gospel would go out through them. Are you a giver? Are you a hoarder? C.S. Lewis uh, said this, I do not believe that one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusement is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. Are you a giver? 
or are you a hoarder? And if you need to work out, well, how do I be generous? The only way and the only place to look is to Jesus and see how much he has given up for you and for me so that we could be friends with God forever. Well, let's ask God that he would help us be givers rather than hoarders. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for all that you've given us in your Son, Jesus. We thank you that his death on the cross means that we have forgiveness for rejecting you. We thank you that his resurrection from the grave means that we have uh, an eternal life with you. We thank you that uh, your Son, Jesus, gives the Holy Spirit living in us, helping us to be more like your Son. Father, with all these great gifts, with all your generosity to us, we pray that we would be generous people who would give rather than gather and hoard. And we pray this for Jesus' glory.